Welcome to this episode of the Don, the Don, the Down the Pub podcast. Um, I am joined it's by Don. the Don, <laughs> Gary Griffiths. Uh, welcome back to the show, Gary. Cheers, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, so I'm really good after uh, Saturday's uh, win. So um, the, the first thing I just kind of want to touch on uh, before we get into the kind of game was uh, what, what an amazing tribute by the the team for for Joe Morelli um, with the jersey and I, I thought it was really nice what the uh, the block one it was a block one away who had the, the yeah they had the, the giant picture didn't they yeah yeah it was it was really nice I think I've kind of got I've got an aversion to sentimentality normally I don't I find it quite uncomfortable but that was really nice and quite touching to see and I think it meant a lot to him as well to be honest because I, I kind of thought of him in the morning and I, I sent him a DM on Instagram actually saying this that like I'm sure it was probably quite a difficult day because this is your career. This is the thing you love doing. And as much as I'm sure he wanted his teammates to do well and win, there'll be that sense of feeling shit all day, basically, because he wants to be there doing that as well. So that it's an interesting balance between, yeah, wanting your friends to do well and also feeling miserable because you can't be part of it. So it was really nice to see the other players doing that. I I think as well for, his own mental health. Uh, I, I, he's gone back to Brazil to uh, recover and, and stuff. But I think that was a really smart move because, mm. as you said, like I mean, if you're in the city, obviously the buzz is around the team, and it's it's very difficult when you you want to be part of something. You should be part of something, and it's kind of taken away from you. So I, I really thought that was very nice touch by the players, and uh, I, I really thought it was great for um, block of one away or. It could have been a privateers too that did the little T-roll thing was kind of nice. So uh, getting into the game, um, our first big win, I would say. Uh, but it was it was, re- it was actually like a pretty comfortable game overall, apart from that first uh, 10, 15 minutes. Um, what, what did you what do you think of that 10, 15 minutes? Do you think it was nerves or do you think it was um, uh, lack of concentration or what, what do you think kind of happened? I think I think it was a mixture of nerves and the pitch because usually we'd train on the pitch for a couple of hours the day before would have done probably some work the week prior as well on the pitch just to get used to the used to the grass and how how the ball runs on it but I felt like there was a real lack of conviction in a lot of the passing in the first 10 or 15 minutes they didn't really trust they didn't really trust the ball and they didn't really trust how fast it would move along that surface so I think that was part of it and I think I think yeah nerves as well was I mean I'm sure you've played before. Like when you're nervous, it does really, really affect how you play. I remember, I remember my coach when I was a kid playing was really big on how with your first touch, if you want to have a good first touch, you're supposed to like bend your standing leg slightly. You want to frame the ball and things like that. And he used to always say like, if you're nervous, you don't bend that leg because you're too rigid and you're too uptight. And it just watching the players, I felt, 
like could hear them words because they all seemed like quite tense. They didn't quite trust themselves or the pitch. So yeah, it was a, it was a messy first 10, 15 minutes from both teams. I thought actually. Yeah. The, the I must say uh, the pitch is usually immaculate. Um, and I guess we had like a bit of, like a good bit of rain and stuff during the week. And you could see it just around the, the, the goal mount where um, uh, Christian was like, was kind of cut up a little bit that the sidelines didn't look great. Um, <laughs> to, I was to, Typical of a uh, of an April an April pitch, if you know what I mean, to uh, like how bad it was. I tend to agree with you. I think um, the ball runs totally different on grass, and if you don't have that couple of days, like to kind of practice, because like all of their practices have been up uh, the BMO pretty much, right? And it's a, it's a totally different surface. But um, so so like looking to um, the, the the first little bit, obviously, like we went behind to the penalty. What, what did you think were where do you think that went wrong? <laughs> what do you think we can do in the future to kind of cut that stuff out? I actually think what happened is a really, it's really coachable and the, the mistakes that were made are really, really coachable. So it started with Santos tried to play out from the back. I think he was trying to play into the feet of one of the forwards, but it was intercepted. And the guy who's on Tabby, so when Santos plays that pass, Tabby's eyes follow the ball. And when it's intercepted, Tabby's eyes continue following the ball um and what he wants to be doing in that situation is scanning constantly because like all the best players are outstanding at scanning so looking over your right shoulder your left shoulder diagonally right diagonally left so you always have a picture of what's going on around you but i thought at that moment when the ball's intercepted he doesn't he doesn't check his rearview mirror he doesn't look behind him to see what's there and if he did he'd have seen that he was a yard further forward than the other three defenders and that an Edmonton player had dropped into that pocket behind him. So then when the ball gets played back into the central area and it's flicked around the corner, the Edmonton player's in very, very coachable. Like that's, that's not a big problem. Um, And I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but I think Tabby was actually really, really good on Saturday, but just in that one brief moment, he should have scanned a bit more. He should have been more aware of what was going on around him, got goal side of the Edmonton player. And then if he does that, that goal, that penalty doesn't get conceded. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. Like I um I looked at it, I kind of like tracked it back, and like Santos did a few of those passes. I thought during the game, which was kind of we've kind of been praising about how well he's been doing. But I, I he he looked probably more nervous than anybody, to be perfectly honest. And he was playing like that pass like was ridiculous what he was trying to do. Like it just made no sense. Like I don't I understand that you want to try and get the game moving. You want to try and get the ball like into transition and stuff like that. But like sometimes like there's nothing wrong with just like playing it inside or, you know, taking your time because you're still getting into the game. Um, and, I, and I think Tabby, he's still a young guy. And I think it's really shown like that this is a, a level above of what he's been used to because like one of the first things you're taught is like stay goal side, right? And like, it, it wasn't mm. like we were trying to play an offside or anything like that. It was like, you know, as you said, like he was ball watching. That was one of the notes I had. All he was doing was ball watching. He wasn't watching what was around them. And I think as well, when the ball came in behind, like Santos kind of moved to the right and gave that space to the guy that was running through. And I think he didn't really have much option but to try and like do something to stop him. But um, like it just, I hope it doesn't affect his confidence giving away two penalties in, in two games because uh, the first the one against Pacific, as I mentioned on the show last week, really wasn't a penalty. Um, and he kind of got left, left to, against the best player in the league. And then this one, I just think it's the same kind of thing. It's just, just rookie mistakes, really, isn't it? It's like it's like you feel yeah. like that'll just kind of come out of his game, and he'll start having that that awareness, you know. 
You no, know, it, it definitely will. He he he, remi- he reminds me of a puppy. Tabby does like in the sense of when you when you when you're training a puppy when you first get the puppy it just it runs through the house and knocks all the plants over and it's chaotic and then does it again the next day but the good thing about puppies is they they learn really really quickly as well don't they and yeah. I think you can see him learning super super fast like if you were to plot his performance out of 10 on a graph for the season it's gone up the whole time it's an upwards trajectory so he's learning really really quickly and you you kind of you can see him learning in real time as well you see him fixing the mistakes from the last game in the next game and getting better and better um so i yeah i thought he was good and i, I think we kind of as supporters we need to just accept that with young players like that you kind of you pay for their development with points and with mistakes sometimes and that's going to happen and I I think we've got a responsibility to be patient as much as the coaches and the his teammates do as well because he's a young guy he's playing at a much higher level than he ever has and I I think he's improved a lot already and yeah but then yeah then moments like like you say, like always be goal side. This this is stuff he knows. It's just about getting used to keeping your concentration for 90 minutes and and focusing on that stuff, I think. That's a really good point. And I think uh, it's something I'm guilty of too, is that sometimes you expect these guys to come into the, the team in the league and expect them to be the finished article. And it's it's a developmental league. Like we're, we're not, like, you know, obviously we've got like some really good veterans in the league, but the whole purpose of it really is to try and help progress young guys who might have fallen out of the game or who are trying to get into the game and patience is that's definitely something i've been guilty of is not being patient with stuff like i i, I think in his case i can see there's a really good player in there mm. you can see it like i mean he's, he's got the he's athletic he's got um i think his football brain going forward is really good like he just has a couple of like little things that he just needs to kind of work on and as you said like uh, he's basically a puppy. I was wondering why Stephen Hart was leaving newspapers all over the pitch. It must have been for him, right? <laughs> so, so I mean, I mean, I mean, like the the penalty, the, the penalty was like really well taken, and I think uh, if I the Julian Ulbricht has a bit of history with us. I think like after like last season, I think he scored for. Um, for, for York against us in uh, one of the games and he was kind of giving it the big one. And yeah. I, I, I think it's very dangerous when you're trying to give the big one when you're playing for Edmonton with the, the, the team they have right now, you know? So he's got, I think he I wound up, he wound up quite a few people, I think with his celebration. and, and all that <laughs> stuff. So how, how did you think that we reacted to going behind? I, I thought we, I, I thought we were excellent. Like I, I, we didn't hit the panic button. And I think we just started to, Go through the go through the gears and like um, get ourselves back into it, and I kind of like that that we didn't just start like launching long balls hoping for the best. I think that we it was very professional how we got back into the game. What did you think? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I thought we seemed quite calm. I was really worried when the goal went in, to be honest, because I thought we'd look nervous, and then I thought, oh no, it's going to get even. We're going to look even more nervous because of the stress of conceding. But in a weird way, conceding that goal seemed to settle them a bit. It was like the worst thing had happened. So, okay, that's almost a relief. The bad thing has happened now, so we can just kind of chill out a bit and play our game. So, yeah, yeah, very, very calmly got back into it. We started to kind of kind of figure out what they were doing, I think. Um, and we made some in-game changes to reflect that. So at the start of the match, we were playing with inverted wingers. Marshall was on the right and Bent was on the left. And then in the 15-minute not long before we scored, actually, they quickly switched. And I have no idea why that happened, but I imagine the coaches or one of them had spotted something that was going on with Edmonton and thought, 
we're going to work better here if just for this next 15 minute spell we switch and we go to like being more exterior wingers rather than inverted wingers and that worked because the goal came from Tabby crossing it in from the left, bent now being on the right and yeah, poking it home from there. I, I, I'm definitely, I, I'm of the thought, I, like I prefer Corey Brown playing in his natural position. I, I'm not a huge fan of this inverted winger thing. I know why people do it because it kind of gives you that little bit of an option, but I, I, I still think he's a much better on the right side than what he is on the left. And he, just before that goal, he I think he, this was probably one of his better games for the Wanderers. I think he was really good. Like he was probing yeah. a lot more and he was trying to, as essentially, like I think it was like one of the previous games, he never seems to want to take a player on. And but this, I really think that he had the bit between his teeth and he was really like going at players, which is fantastic to see. To be fair, to be honest. Do you think he's taken a step up since Morelli got injured? Because I think like just in his in his like body language and how intense everything he does is at the moment, he's like we were talking about a couple of episodes ago about what someone's got to announce themselves yeah. as the man, and I th- I think he's doing that. I think we're watching that happen. I, I definitely think so, but I I, I also feel that maybe. He's been told by whether Steven or or whoever that like you know like we need we need more from you, um because like I I, I feel like sometimes like players when you've got a goal scorer on your team that you kind of just you, you kind of depend on them and you kind of just don't do the things you normally would because you're just expecting that guy to score you know what I mean to, to do something like big and whatever, um and, and sometimes when that player comes out of a team then you suddenly realise that actually like I need to do something here. And I feel like maybe he, had, he got a bit of a rocket or Stephen had a chat with him and said like, we need more from you. Cause I mean, I, I've always felt him to be a dynamic player and he's got lots of, he's got pace to born, you know, like he's so fast and just seeing him like just getting, getting out on the wing and just knocking the ball back inside and not doing anything with it just seems like such a waste to me. Like it's. Yeah. You um, want him trusting, you want him trusting himself, don't you? And, yeah. Like, like gambling on himself, like I can beat this guy in a foot race. I can, and, and as you said, like I mean, like it's um, like players are developing, and, and like we have to be patient with, with them. And maybe that's down to the fans sometimes that like we need to be patient with them. And I think that's just Corey maybe like just starting to come out of a shell a little bit. And uh, as you said, like um, having like the step into Morelli's shoes is a, it's a bit, big job. And I think maybe I, I thought Garcia was it was really good too. And I think. That, that's probably what like Stephen's chat to them all was that, you know, this guy that you've all been dependent on is gone. Like for the season, like we need you all to to step up and like play your part. And I, I thought that all the strikers, um, apart from Marshall, had uh, had excellent games. I really did. I, I like. I, I think Marshall's a conundrum that Stephen Hart just doesn't know what to do with. And I think um, I we, me and you had been talking about it because you were at the press conference and. Um, he, I, I think it was said that somebody wasn't pulling their weight and like tracking back or or whatever or wasn't doing what they were being asked to and got hooked at halftime. Like, I mean, we're talking about patience, but we've given this guy a lot, a lot of patience, and it's just not happening, is it? Like, but, but, I think that the frustrating thing with him is from a talent level, he's I honestly think he's the best or the second best in the team in terms of just raw talent, but for some reason, it doesn't, doesn't he doesn't express it enough. And I don't know why it's we've tried him on the left. We've tried him on the right. And in flashes, he's looked like the best player on the team, but for some reason, it, it, it just doesn't, there's not, a, there's not consistency there. And 
yeah, I'm same as you. I have no idea why. And he is the conundrum. I don't know what you do with a player that talented who, for some reason, can't produce consistently. It's just, he's just a drifter, you know, like, like he just drifts in and out of games and kind of, as you said, like he kind of, he has flashes of brilliance and then just looks lazy and just doesn't like, I don't know whether, I don't know the guy, so I can't really say anything like, you know what I mean? But it just feels like maybe he's not happy where he's been asked to play. He's not happy what he's been asked to do, or uh, maybe he thinks he's better than, the league or the team or there's just something that's not right. And I, like, I feel like eventually, especially now that like we were, we need people pulling their weight because we're down our best player. Like how would you keep picking them? You know, and I'm sure he's probably on one of the bigger wages in the team too, but like, how would you keep picking something like that? Mm, yeah. It's, it's, um, I, I, I think again, it's probably what he's doing in training. Like I hope Mr. James Covey won't, be mad at us for mentioning this but he was talking in the discord group about he he went to training the week in the week leading up to the game and i asked him who who stood out for him and he said marshall was looked incredible like he was like scoring so many goals like everything he did he everything he did looked good so if you're if you're in training if you're dorado and stephen hahn watching him play like that in training throughout the week i think you go well yeah he's he's, he's really on it now put him in the team and then you get there 45 minutes like that, which wasn't great. Um, that's the Alex Marshall conundrum. Like you said, it's the, the mystery of the man. Um, hope we get to see the best of him eventually, but we're kind of, we've got a pretty big sample size now. It's not like this is his first season. Yeah. Like we've been watching him for three years now. And I think I'm at the point where I've just kind of accepted this is who the player is. He's inconsistent. He can't, you might get a 10 out of 10 from him and you might get a five out of 10. And it's, that's the role of the dice every time you pick like, him. I, at this stage, I'd rather see Ryan Robinson. At least I know he's yeah. going to try. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's, as I said, like, I'm not trying to like be a jerk and I'm not trying to like, be, like we had a great win and we're going to get into whatever. But I just think it's something that definitely needs to be to be said that like we looked like such a much better team when he went off. And I hate saying that about anybody, but it's true. Like, I mean, which, when we scored a goal and towards half time like we kind of turned the screw a little bit but we went great and then we made a change at halftime and brought Salter on and what 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 did you think did we change formation do you think at halftime when we brought Salter on and what do you, what do you think he was doing differently than than what Marshall was he, he was posting up like we we kind of went back to inverted wingers and bent went to the left again and Salter was on the right and just as soon as Salter came on we had someone to aim for diagonally because I mean we've talked about this before that the reason we've kind of always said we like him centrally is because he can do that sort of posting up back to goal like he's, he's he's getting stronger he's quite a strong player he's got soft feet so he can lay it off nicely and we were just hitting him on the right time and time again like in behind to chest to head to feet and that just gave us a much nicer balance and a lot more security and possession on that on that right side. So yeah, I, th- I thought he was really good actually, Sam Salter. Um, oh, I, I thought so too. Like I, I thought is um, I, I felt he was almost like playing like we, we'd switch to like a, a front two because he's playing very close alongside uh, King Garcia. I thought um, that's yeah, it's exactly what happened. So second half, it wasn't. It was still kind of a three, but. Bent and Salter pinched in really, really narrow. And the fullbacks were so attacking in the second half. Like um, Tabby and Fernandez were basically, they were basically playing as wingbacks. Like we, we weren't playing with wingbacks, but they were playing that advanced. So we almost had like a front 
four at times because one of the fullbacks would join the three forwards would be really tight together so yeah and, and so Salter was essentially playing as a, a central striker but kind of he would drift out wide as well if we if we needed to create space out there yeah like but I thought his uh his hold up play was fantastic and like um he probably had one or two like nobody's perfect so he's one or two like uh, I think there's a cross that he did that was kind of crazy but like just his layoff play like you know I mean like bringing other people into the game and stuff like that was like spot on like he didn't uh panic he didn't he wasn't rushing I feel like sometimes when he comes into games because it happens to him a lot like he kind of panics and kind of tries to do something like to, to make it worth him being on the pitch kind of thing and I don't think he needs to like sometimes like mm. f- football's a, s- a simple game an awful lot of the times and it's like you know like being able to have somebody you can lay the ball into and just have them lay it off to somebody else it's 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 a big part of the game and I think he did it really really well and I was like so happy for him when he got the goal because you could see the weight of the world uh kind of like just lift off his shoulders when he scored a goal yeah. like like I'll, I'm gonna get you to uh, walk through the dynamics of the goal in a second but um yeah like everything about the goal was fantastic apart from the uh, I don't know if you saw uh, the dance he did <laughs> he tried to do no nah, like, I didn't right really dance. he looked really serious when he scored <laughs> didn't he very straight faced and and then he did and then he just did this like random like I think it's like the name oh yeah <laughs> The camera was quite tight on him, so it was hard yeah. to see exactly what he was doing. But was that was that in front of you where you stood? Uh, no, it was I saw you stand, on the, sorry. I, I saw on the yeah, I, I saw on the highlights. I, I went to look like just look back at the goals and I, the, even the commentators like said like <laughs> not too sure about the moves. But yeah, so if you want to break down the the our second goal for uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it was really nice. It was it was something from the training ground, I think, because as soon as Lamoth got it, Fernandez was very, very wide. And then as soon as Lamoth got it in the center of the pitch. Fernandez made like a really nice out to in diagonal run, which kind of popped him in behind their fullback. Like he he was borderline offside, but I think he was just about on. Um, yeah, great pass from Lamoth. Fernandez heads it into Salter's path. First touch, really good. I thought it set up quite nicely for him. I think like I th- people were really raving about that first touch. It was good, but I don't think it was like anything special. It just sat quite a nice height for him, towed it down and then dinked it dinked it through the keeper's legs so really good finish and for a player who has looked quite short on confidence I thought it was a very confident finish very yeah I'm very very happy happy for him yeah what was, the, you, what was your view of the goal like where, where were you when that went in oh you're I, I, down I, the end aren't you I, I think that I think the second goal I was probably in the queue again for the for the bathroom so I, I I'm, I'm literally going on what I uh that, and somebody it sounded had, like a nice goal then some, somebody had mentioned it um because uh, so, the the comment, I guess the guy who does like the the stadium the stadium announcer, like did a really like go like I I thought he was gonna like kill over it was amazing. No mate, <laughs> but, so long wasn't it? <laughs> but I think uh, some, it covered like three replays when they were showing the footage. He <laughs> <laughs> was still going. Somebody uh somebody had met, I think somebody tweeted out at Derek about the the lack of like facilities at uh, the, the game this time around and he said he's going to fix it because it was pretty bad anyway um but I did watch it back to, uh like I watched the game back today and I, I think uh like Lamotte's pass was fantastic it was it was a beautiful pass but I just like I, I think we were really lucky too like at like let's not kid ourselves this is a bad Edmonton team uh they're, they're not very good like and I feel bad like I mean the fact that we had they had uh one of our Kamara from like last year playing in center mid he was, was playing as, yeah part of a double that was like I mean there was no pressure on that pass like a, I mean if you let 
somebody and he does have like Lamott does have a lot of good qualities and he's always like he he is a really good pass to the ball but if you allow somebody that amount of time to do a pass like you know you're kind of asking for trouble but the, yeah. just the, the header down like the run the header was like beautifully cushioned as you said like I mean Salter didn't have to do too much because the header down was absolutely perfect uh Fernandez just had another amazing oh, he's, game. So, but, he's uh, such a player he honestly he is he is just, a player. He's he's going. He's he's he'll be out of this league within two years, no like, doubt. Everybody was just raving at him at the, at, the, at the game. Every like every touch, every like whatever. Like I mean, he's getting cheered and like when he's when he's won the the uh, when he won the penalty, like his celebration was like fantastic. Where he's like, mm. but um, the he was the still goal... like kind of feigning injury, wasn't he? And then, <laughs> yeah. then he realized he got the penalty. And, gave and, it and then he's, he's just jumping around. <laughs> I love that. But the the, the finish from Salter was was really good, and I'm so happy for him because um, a lot of this weight is going to be on his shoulders too. Because you know, after some <laughs> I read somewhere today that after Morelli, he was our top scorer last year, and it's like. Mm. Like tree, so he's a third of the way there. So yeah, he's getting there. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a fantastic, it was a fantastically uh, um, crafted goal. And I don't mean to be like, again, like being the negative Nelly by saying like Edmonton are very good. You have to, you have to beat the team that's in front of you. And like, exactly. And I, I thought that the this is probably the first time this season that the tree in midfield actually worked. Um, mm. what, what what did you think? I, th- I thought that. Jeremy seemed to be playing as a more advanced player. Uh, he was almost playing like as a 10. He was like kind of really, uh, I thought he was a lot more advanced than out of the three of them. He's probably the best passer of the ball, I think. Um, he, yeah, he, he was. He was, he was kind of leading our press sometimes, which is really weird. You just, you kind of, you'd see the attackers, you'd see Rampy and Moth, and then out of nowhere, you'd just see... <laughs> Jeremy's head burst forward and be like pressing the centre back, which is and he's he's got previous with that as well. It's he he leads the press a lot, um, but yeah, it, it, midfield wise, we're still kind of playing with Rampy as a deep, a very deep six actually against Edmonton. Because so I I've got this theory that the first Pacific goal I think was a little bit of Rampy's fault last week because the midfielders just pushed way up and then we got caught out. So I think he had been told in training, like, no, you have to be disciplined. And he was very disciplined on Saturday. Like he stayed very deep. Um, yeah. Like you said, you had Lamoth and uh, Jeremy as the two eights ahead. Jeremy probably playing a little bit further advanced than Lamoth, which yeah. one thing I noticed actually like where, where my seats are at the ground, like, like I've got amazing seats. So it's like right on the halfway line, top of the stadium. So you can really, really see shapes and stuff. And our midfield has got really nice layers to it. Like it's like it's not flat. Like it's got it's you'll always have rampy kind of behind them, but then like Lamoth and, and Jeremy as eights are kind of always like moving back and forward. So you've always got angles for passes and stuff. And so I thought they they were layered really well and yeah, completely controlled it against. I mean, the caveat you put on that is right. You, they were playing against our ex-striker, who I don't think was very good, to be honest, in 2021 for us <laughs> as, a, as a striker. Um, he, like Kamara, he's... He be, I thought he played quite well, actually, first like 30 or 40 minutes, but his, his legs went and he was kind of found out a bit. Um, so there is that caveat. But yeah, no, I thought the midfield did really well and completely, completely controlled it. Um, just, just on the Edmonton not being very good in the Edmonton travel thing as well, because I keep in the press conference, Alan Cock went off on one about that. I don't know if CPL kept it in the recording they put out, but he was really mad about their schedule, having to play Wednesday, then Saturday. 
um, which is which is fair enough and I do agree with, but in the same breath, like I remember July, 2019, I've, I've kept those receipts. And after he said that I went back and looked at our schedule. So just very quickly, July, 2019 on July 17th, we played forge in Hamilton on July 20th. We played Pacific away in BC on July 24th. We played Ottawa away in Ottawa, uh, July 27th. We played York away in York, and on July the 30th, we played Edmonton away and we lost by two goals. So in 2019, we played them the fifth match in 13 days, during which we travelled across the country back and forth, never coming home. So as much as I do feel sorry for them, the travel leading into the game on Saturday, they owed us that one, I think. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, 100%. The, I, I like... The thing, the thing for me is like, like I, I, saw, I, I read about his, uh, his freak out about it, and like, I get where he's coming from. The, the way I look at it is like, obviously, we got fucked over before, but I mean, they know that this team, like this club, is falling apart around its ears, right? And they're like, they're, they're on skid row, basically. Like they piecemeal on the team together, and then they do that schedule. Like I don't, I don't understand yeah. it. Like I, I feel, it feels like it's kind of tarnishing a little bit which was a great win for the Wanderers like I mean at the end of the day as I said you can only play the, the team that's in front of you I, I just think it's it was really unfair like what the, why why did anybody's head would they think it's a good idea for someone to play in Hamilton fly them back to Edmonton and then back at the Halifax it's, it's yeah, I, it, it makes boggles my mind like I mean I hope these people never become travel agents because like, like if you're trying to get to Australia, you probably end up in about 40 cities on your way over. Right. So it's uh, a sense of player welfare as well. Like looking after the players and expecting them to yeah play on the Wednesday fly and then their flight got delayed or whatever. And it's not, it's not fair. It's not fair. I mean, mean, like you man, uh, like their best player, like, like Warcheski. I mean, like he, he did his knee at the end of the game there against Pacific, I think. And he kind of was signaled to come off. I mean, like, there's no zero recovery time for that, you know. And he came on against mm. us, and I'm sure if he was fully fit, he's playing. But I mean, like, you're putting so much pressure on his body, especially as you said, like they were stuck at an airport, and people are saying that like they're gonna have to do an everything economy because like they're everybody else is picking up the tab, right? So I mean, it's I, I feel really bad for him, and I, I like on a like I get where Alan 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 Koch is coming from, and I agree with him, but. And what, why, like, why did they have to schedule this one as well? It's not like this season. There's loads of midweek games. I know. Surely, surely they could have gone right. When do we play? When do Edmonton play York or Ottawa or, or Forge away? Okay, we'll send them to Wanderers after that one because it's two-hour flight, easy peasy. Um, I'd say, even it's for just us, a like, massive oversight. Like even for us, like like playing out in Pacific. I mean, like like why 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 did they make us go all the way out there and not do? You know, like an cavalry and Edmonton. You know, you know what I mean. Like do it, like like I mean, yeah. like like I think, um, like Pacific played Edmonton and then played like uh, cavalry like this this weekend. That makes sense, right? I mean, like it's not much mm-hmm. of a travel thing. It's not much of a, a hindrance to the players. But then you look at what they've done to Edmonton. I, I just I don't agree, and I think it like they need to kind of get their head a shake and work like work out properly what they're doing here to to, to people. And during yeah. COVID, I got it, but now like. There's no reason to do that kind of stuff to players, right? No, no, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't fair. But like you said, you can only beat what's in front of you. So it wasn't Wanderer's fault that this happened. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so so anyway, moving back to, to, to happier stuff, the uh, the penalty, 
what an incredible pass from Restrepo to oh, uh, oh my good god! Like so, I, I watched it back there before we came on here, and I think I think Rampy had passed the ball back to him. And they were kind of just keeping it between themselves almost, and Rampy signaled for him to push it out to, to Jeremy because Jeremy had pushed it onto the right. Restrepo in his head obviously said "fuck that" <laughs> and <laughs> just pinged like a, a sixty yarder into the box. It was, it <laughs> Here was, we go, be- boys! It was, it was beautiful, and uh, like yeah. the, the keeper made an absolute mess of that and I don't know what he was trying to do but uh as you said like one of my favorite parts of the whole game was uh apart from Restrepo putting uh Ulbrich on his arse I think it was in the first half uh, I missed that what happened oh my god Restrepo did like a like a little turn and uh, uh Ulbrich like fell over like <laughs> like slipped on the grass it was it was perfect it was amazing and everybody was kind of clapping and cheering but uh the the feigning of the injury was a thing of beauty <laughs> I'm doing a chef's kiss right now when I was there, yeah. Yeah, I know. It was just like the, the, the lack of shame to instantly, oh, we've got a penalty, brilliant, I'm not hurt anymore. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then like, like the, you celebrate, like, like you celebrate like crazy. And like, like Ramp, Rampy just seemed so pumped up for this game. I think when Corey Ben scored, mm. like, he was like, literally had him in a headlock. And then, yeah. and then when Fernandez did that, I think he was the same. He was like, just like, Grabbing by the jersey and like shaking them, I was like, "Geez, he's never allowed to be my kid. He's never allowed to be my kids." He was shaking them, but uh, the, it, was, it was it was Fernandez making the same run as the Salter goal as well, like yeah. the going really wide and then the out to in run. Like as soon as the trigger was someone getting it in that area of the pitch, and then he made that diagonal inwards run straight away, um, and it was getting them all day that same run. Oh, but I was, and like I said, like the keeper. Was in no man's land. As soon as as soon as Fernandez hit like hit his head, like the keeper yeah. was fucked. Like he just like, on just on that keeper though that fucking that save in the first oh half from Ramsey's attack was fucking brilliant. That was world. That was world class, man. Like yeah, I, yeah. It, it wasn't it wasn't quite the same, but it reminded me a bit of that Seaman save in the FA Cup semi final because he had like he had the scoop, didn't he? Where yep. he kind of scooped it out the goals unbelievable save like i think that's the best save i've seen at the grounds oh my like i i watched it back like two or three times today actually because i was like it's not like when you see something you're just like how the fuck did that not go in yeah and like honestly like i know if rampy probably maybe hit it like a couple of like feet to the to the left or wherever like but probably was in but like he just out of nowhere it was crazy wasn't it like yeah. i mean and he's like apparently he's got some international caps for estonia or something like that so i think i i think that or somebody says something like that in the commentary so he's obviously like, okay he's he's, 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 he's a really good keeper and he, he's keeping like the darlington the guy that was the keeper for edmonton last year was expected to just come in and take over from Connor James and he's just been benched the whole time. This guy's like mm. played every every minute. So yeah, um, wasn't this? I was thinking of Estonian goalkeepers. Do you remember Mark Poom? Yep. Uh, didn't he play for <laughs> Arsenal at some stage? Yeah, he was. He was like our third choice. I think he came on for five minutes once. But he he was Estonian, I think. But yeah, he's probably long retired, isn't he? Derby legend. Yeah, I think he played for Derby too. Yeah, and it, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Mark Poom. Uh, so we, we should uh, we should hunt him out and try and have him on the show just to like tell us a little bit about. <laughs> Estonian uh, goalkeepers. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so um, obviously, then uh, Akeem, he was credited with the first goal for some strange reason. I know. Because uh, he was. Well, yeah, everyone kind of looked at each other awkwardly when that happened. Like, Oop. <laughs> uncomfortable. Oh, very uncomfortable. And on, were... but on the, the commentator said it as well. It wasn't just the announcement oh, in the God. stadium, it was there, the commentators was, on one soccer. They were still, he was, they were still, oh, it was still up on the screen. Like, 
in the second half that Garcia scored the first one. Uh, but yeah, the penalty itself, like, uh, was pretty well taken, huh? Yeah, he's a good penalty taker. I don't, I think that's his fourth or fifth one he's taken for us, and he's he's always they've always like gone in pretty comfortably. So I don't, we've never missed a penalty in four years, Wanderers. Really? Yeah. Wow. We're the we're the only. I think. Mean, which is amazing because I think we've had about 15 or 16. And if you look at statistically only, I think 70% of penalties are scored. And for us to have still never missed one is very impressive, actually. I think we've just had three really good penalty takers in Perea was decent yeah. on penalties. Morelli is obviously completely flawless on penalties. And yeah, Keem's, I think, he, I think he mishit this one a little bit, actually. I think he, he didn't strike it as cleanly as he probably wanted to, but it went in, so don't care. Yeah, me either. It was kind of nice. It was not, like I, I was there to see that be, and I was like, uh, the uh, the atmosphere at the grounds again. I, I think we kind of we kind of talk about it a lot, and they talk about it a lot on the thing because obviously they get we get the biggest crowds in Halifax. But so when they scored a penalty, like how cool is it that like the whole ground, like even though they've scored, just ramps up and is pushing behind you, kind of thing. Like I mean, like a lot of other mm. stadiums, like. You know, a goal was in. They kind of just got like, oh, fuck, here we go again. <laughs> like nothing like that. <laughs> yeah, happened, no, it's crazy, isn't I th- it? I, I think it's you. It's you guys behind. I, like, I can't take credit for it. It's you guys behind the goal who are making ninety percent of the noise. Like where where I am in the main grandstand, it's getting better, but it's still. Like, I've, I've talked about this with people before, and I'm, I'm specifically talking about the main stand here. I'm not talking about the kitchen, which is brilliant and always noisy, but. I think the big thing between the atmosphere in the main stand and the atmosphere like in a European stadium is that not everyone is completely engaged with everything that's happening at all times. Like like you've been to football back home, like you're reacting noisily to every single thing that happens on the pitch. Throwing goes out, you're cheering. Tackle, you're cheering. Good pass, you're clapping. Um, Constantly giving shit to the opposition, things like that. (laughs) And I think the kitchen is brilliant for that. But where in my stand it's still got a little bit of a way to go to be really really noisy all the time and it's it's definitely coming though because you there's so many more people around me now who are engaged and looking at everything that's going on now and being noisy because of that which is which is fantastic so i think three or four years once people really really get used to the sport it's going to be even better actually um but yeah I, i thought the kitchen was was great we, we could hear you really, really clearly from where I was. Um, constantly noisy, constantly singing. Like the, the cheers for goals are getting much louder, you're right, as well. Like for that third goal, like you said. Oh, yeah. It, it could have awesome. just been like, a way we scored a third. Brilliant. We've, we've already won, though. But it wasn't. It was like a really noisy, aggressive I, cheer. Uh, great. I, I, don't actually, I, I don't actually watch from the kitchen. I watch. It was like a wee, they call it the patio. So it was like right behind the hoarding. So like I'm right yeah. in behind the goal there, and the reason why I like it there is I feel like I can kind of see give the keeper a bit yeah, of shit because when you're yeah when you're when you're in the, the the kitchen like it's a great time and all that kind of stuff, but I feel like sometimes the game kind of zips past a little bit because it, it's there's so much stuff happening around you if you know what I mean um that you don't always get to kind of see the game in, in so many ways there's always something happening. But just going back to the main stand thing there like. I think a lot of people like obviously it's a lot of families that go to the stand because I mean you don't particularly want to bring your kids to the kitchen or whatever like that. Not that there's anything kind of untoward that happens. It's just boisterous and you've got young kids. It's not the greatest place to bring them. But 
I think um, as people get used to the game, as you said, and they start to see those like little nuances in the game and start to appreciate the little things and not just the goals and the big saves and all that kind of stuff, it is going to get better and better and better and better. Like I, I, I find that when I'm talking to people now, they seem to know an awful lot more about what's happening in the game rather than like mm. the first year was just like, it's an excuse to go out on the piss on a Saturday kind of thing. Whereas now people are actually like getting like the people who started going just to something to do on a Saturday are actually getting into it and actually really enjoying it. So yeah, for sure. And it, there's room for everyone as well. Like I don't, I don't want to sound like it's, that's a criticism saying no, definitely everyone's not. completely engaged. Like you, the survival of this league and this club is having people who are just going there for a nice Saturday day out, which is great. Like you want a lot of people there like that, but no, yeah, I agree. People are really knowledgeable around the club now. Like the people you speak to in the first year, people didn't really know the away results and things like that. But now, like even the people that kind of sit around us in the main stand, they they know all the players now. They know how we did in the last away game. How they have opinions on how we're setting up and stuff. So the, the discourse around the club is becoming much, much better. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it again. I feel like the the buzz of the, the team is just... Uh, getting bigger and bigger and bigger and like long may it continue so I, I guess our final thing we always do here is uh your, your man the match so uh who did you go with and why I, I don't want to go for Fernandez again because I feel like we've chosen him every week <laughs> so the, the, the truth the truth is is it's Fernandez um but for the sake of someone different um I'm gonna go for Lamoth actually I thought Stephen Hart said something really interesting about him in the press conference. Um, someone on one of the video calls asked him how he thought he did. And he said that sometimes with him, he can defer to his more senior teammates a lot of the time. So in, there might be a good pass on for him, but if he sees that Rampersad or Jeremy are open, he kind of respects them a lot. So he'll defer to them and pass them the ball. Um, but I thought first 10 minutes aside where he looked as shaky as everyone else, I thought he really grew into the game and, he was kind of exerting a bit of control as well, especially in that eight position. He was finding a lot of little pockets to play in, creating really good triangles. Like he always positionally, he's very good in creating triangles with the other midfielders, with the fullbacks. So it means he's kind of always available for a pass. His, I think his pass percentage was close to 90%, which is good. Um, and the, the pre-assist for the Solar goal was, was a fantastic pass as well. And that's something we haven't necessarily seen from him before. Like we've seen him do the ticky tackery sort of short pass, um, tidy interchange, small space stuff. But to see him be a bit more expansive and head up, that's the more risky ball. I don't care if I miss hit it and this hurts my pass completion percentage. I'm going to play it because that's a good opportunity. And yeah, it's good to see it come off for him. So yeah, Pierre Lamoth for me. How about you? Well, I, I like that he made it into the uh, the the CPL team of the week. So, um, mm. yeah, he was he was definitely. Uh, I don't think that's exactly always an accurate. I, oh my god! <laughs> fact, like they gave a keen the man the match because and everybody's like because um, they thought he scored two goals. Two goals didn't they? Yeah, it's like it, just because you score a goal doesn't mean you should get man the match. I, anyway, um, I I actually haven't given. I don't think I've given Fernandez man the match yet, or maybe, or maybe I, I have a couple game. of times. Yeah, no, no, so, give, him, give him it though. He, he deserves he deserves oh a word because he was so good. I, I did want to give a special shout out too though. Like like Fernandez is amazing. Like his he's like the find of the season. Um, when I'm standing behind the goal and talking to people, the buzz is all about him. Like everybody's talking about him. Um, it's like 
we talked about this before, like Maury Donner is like a distant memory and this guy's got time on our side too. But just, just, just in, in relation, we kind of just touched on it wrong. Like I thought Tabby like grew into this game so much that he, he was, I, I actually thought like, and seeing his reaction at the end uh, just made my heart melt a little bit. Oh, mate, he I could have so, cried. He was so happy. Like he was like, like he literally like he, he's, high-fived everybody in the back behind the goal and stuff like that. He was like, he was over the moon. And I think um, it, it really makes you feel good to be part of something that makes somebody feel that way. You know what I mean? And It was I, amazing. I, that was I, so lovely. I, I liked a couple of times. And I think uh, Stephen had mentioned it in the, the, the press conference afterwards that, you know, he needs to work on his final ball and, and stuff like that. But like, they're a little, they're, that's, as you said, coachable. And I think he, like, he he his main part of his game he's good at and i think he's going to be one to watch for the rest of the season too i think he's he's going to come along leaps and bounds once he kind of gets to grips with that jump up in um so he was a very close second for me um but i'm, I, gl- I'm glad you meant i'm glad you mentioned him yeah because he was one of the ones i was thinking of saying as well so i'm glad he got mentioned um so yeah so zach fernandez for me um just looking a little bit towards like next week we've got Valor away whether that happens or not with their their mm. outbreak of, of COVID. It's kind of weird, like seeing a game cancelled from COVID. It hasn't it just feels like it hasn't happened in a while? Uh, it wouldn't wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for us if it got cancelled. I don't think with the Guelph, the Guelph game on the Tuesday. So from yeah, from Winnipeg, I guess they'd fly it back, fly out to Ontario on the Sunday, and then yes, I it, it would work in our favour if it was cancelled. And plus, like it, like these, like it's there. It'll be their home opener, which. Obviously, yeah. you kind of want to avoid because um, it seems to be like uh, like Calgary had a uh, Calgary had a, a big win as well and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, Ottawa beat us last season yeah. in their home opener as well. And so yeah, so it'll be kind of uh, I, I I hope that maybe gets called off, but hey, whenever. Um, Gary, thanks again <laughs> for hanging out, man. It's it's been a blast. Um, I I must say, um, it's kind of nice to do one of these and like. Come on, you wanderers! Like it was kind of uh, a, a great win, and uh, well, I make yeah. the most of them when it happens, haven't you? Like I don't know how many times it will happen this season. So <laughs> I'll take, I'll take it. Folks, please, right, folks, please. Time to drink, on folks, get out, out to box.